Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Welcome to the Think Unbroken podcast. I'm your host, Michael Unbroken, and this podcast is about helping trauma survivors let go of the past, overcome their fear, discover their identity, become the hero of their own story, and ultimately to be unbroken. Our goal in company is to bring on guests and experts in the fields of mental, physical, and psychological health to help you overcome the past, to take back your power. And in this podcast, we are unedited and unfiltered, and we're going to give it to you real so that you can start to create massive change in your life. If you're curious about learning more outside the podcast, you can get a free copy of my book, Think Unbroken, at book dot thinkunbroken.com. That's book.thinkunbroken.com where you can get a copy of my number one best-selling book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma. The most important thing that you can ever do, my friends, is show up for yourself and that's where you are today. And I appreciate you. I have massive gratitude for you. And without further ado, let's get into the show. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. Super excited to be back here with you with another episode with my friend and guest, Matt Belair. And Matt is the host of the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show, which has reached number one in over 20 countries. He's a creator of the Soul Compass Program, the Quantum Heart Hypnosis Technique, and the best-selling author of The Zen Athlete, also one of my homeboys. Matt, my friend, how are you? What is going on in your world today? What's up, man? It's a it's a pleasure and honor to be here with you and your audience, man. Uh, I had a, such a great time when you came on my show. I definitely invite your audience to check that episode out, but uh, I'm doing well, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Good, good. Yeah, and that, that was such a thrill. And when we wrapped up, I was like, I have to have you come on and share with my audience and talk about your experience. But before we dive in, tell everybody a little bit about you, your background, and, and how you got to where you are today. 
Sure. I'll try to keep it short. You know, my interest has always been in martial arts and in martial arts, they teach you about mind, body, spirit. And so, uh, as a very young boy, I'm out in my backyard trying to break, uh, wood outside, you know, my fence <laughs> outdoor, just punching it from watching martial arts movies. But I also understood that there was this mental side of it. So as I was, you know, in my younger years, I was already realizing that I had to use some sort of force, right? It wasn't just my body that had to break these, these things. And how were these Shaolin monks doing all this incredible stuff? So I was an athlete as well. And I started to apply what I was learning through martial arts, which is about mind, body, spirit into hockey, into skateboarding, into everything else I was doing. And, you know, when I was in my teenage years, I was really interested in consciousness, human performance, peak potential. And so I was reading all these different books and trying things like meditation, lucid, lucid dreaming, uh, astral projection, whatever I could find to like, you know, expand my mind, expand my consciousness. I was curious about enlightenment and all these different aspects. So I'd read, read books on Zen. I was very fascinated with, and you know, when college was done, I ended up going out to Whistler, British Columbia, because I wanted to snowboard, became an international uh, snowboard coach for a little bit, uh, spent seven years in Whistler and it was really amazing. And all the while I was just continuing my own education on, you know, mindset performance and human potential. And so I always knew I wanted to travel and, when I was done my time in Whistler snowboarding and, you know, training different athletes, I had the opportunity to travel the world and I trained with 34th generation Shaolin monks. I got to meditate with monks in Nepal because I wanted to be enlightened. So I figured, Hey, I'll go to Tibet and I'll meditate with monks there. But unfortunately Tibet's still occupied by China. So I ended up in Nepal and got a pretty incredible experience. Uh, trekked Mount Everest almost died and, you know, wrote Zen athlete in the meantime. And then when I came back from my travels, I started the podcast. And since then I've recorded over 500 episodes and I'm just a constant student. You know, I like to test myself and see what I'm capable of, but I also want to hear about people in the world who are doing incredible things. And that's been able to, you know, the process has taken me to 30 countries. I've trained with several different indigenous elders and, um, done quite a bit, just trying to find the truth and, and learn about human potential. That, that's phenomenal, man. I mean, there's so much you can unpack there and start with. One of the things that comes to mind immediately is like my my obsession with martial arts ever since I was a child. Um, part of it was self-defense in, in my early years. And then what I started to understand was it was really about this idea of controlling what my body was capable of doing. I mean, I've, I've done Muay Thai in Thailand. I've traveled the world doing jujitsu. I've, you know, I'm, I'm lucky in that I've been able to go and experience this thing that I love in this really in-depth way because it helped me get a better understanding. And I think for me, and I'm curious about your thoughts on this, as someone who has come from trauma, who's dissociated, where my brain and my body just weren't connected, martial arts has always helped me feel more in sync with my brain and my body. Have you experienced that as well? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think a lot of the spiritual community forgets about the body often. And so it's such an important part. And in martial arts, I remember being taught that the body is the first and easiest thing to control. It's easier to control control than the mind. And if you do cold training, I, I did uh, the Wim Hof cold training and, and I knew about the breath work and all that kind of stuff. And everyone's going into the cold. And I said, you know what, I'm going to do it for myself. I'm not going to do, you know, his breath technique. I'm just going to train my body. I'm going to go in the water and see what happens. And so as I did that, the body's insanely cold or the, the water's insanely cold. I'm out in the mountains in, in British Columbia with ice everywhere. And my, my body says, get out. So then my mind has to say, don't. So my mind has to control the body. And so you're in this immediate experience where you're, you're seeing the wrestle and the battle. And so in martial arts, they say, you know, the easiest way, uh, the easiest thing to control is the body. And you do that kind of through the mind. And as you do that, then you start to invoke and engage in the spirit. And I feel like we often forget that. And Mark Devine, who is a former Navy SEAL and has some a great podcast and great training out there. You know, he, when he's helping people first uncover this process of something bigger, something greater, a consciousness outside their comfort, he just destroys their body. And that's what they did to me in the 34th uh, generation Shaolin monks in China. They just destroyed my body because there comes a point where you you have to stop thinking and it just goes into something else. And we get locked into this comfort state of consciousness and it's a repetitive state. And often our society and our culture really aids us and helps us get into this comfort zone where we don't go beyond it. And so training the body 
also trains the mind and it trains the spirit at the same time. And so it's a really quick way to try and just shift your consciousness in a, in a very uncomfortable way though. You know what, what I think about when you're talking about that is, you know, the, the famous David Goggins quote that we only ever reach 40% of our potential before we quit. And, you know, I think about times that I, I have pushed myself physically that have actually made me mentally stronger, emotionally stronger. And, you know, I think that there is, and, and this was my experience where as I was coming through this trauma healing journey and, and the audience knows, and, and I know that you may, but for those that don't, I used to be like 350 pounds. And I was smoking two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep the whole nine. And then what started happening, I started pushing myself physically. And the harder I pushed myself physically, the stronger I became mentally. And the stronger I became mentally, the, the cycle began where I was like, oh, I'm going to push myself harder physically. And what I discovered in that process was I built self-esteem. I built character. I built the this place where I learned to love myself. And I know for some people that's going to sound really odd, but when you think about your body, and I don't know why in this society we we measure the brain and the body as being separate. You can't have one without the other. The brain does not work without the body and vice versa. And yet we don't treat them as the same. And so one of the things you you mentioned is you know, putting yourself in these positions of traveling the world to discover, to train, you know, being with various masters and, and even Native American elders. Talk to me about kind of the transformation that was happening within your body and your mind as you're in these travels, as you're discovering more about who you are and what you're capable of doing. Well, you know, first of all, the understanding the body piece, I think is so important because in martial arts, in many cultures, they say the body is the temple. And Socrates has a great quote that says, no man has the right to be an amateur. I just want to get it right in the matter of physical training. It is a shame for a man to grow old without seeing the beauty and strength of which his body is capable. And so, you know, even the old uh, Stoics knew about that. And so training with the Native American elders, I trained with uh, a Mi'kmaq, which is in Canada and North America, a Mayan elder and a Zuni elder uh, in three different capacities. It was very interesting. They all had a 20,000 year history. Their teachings were incredibly grounded, very unique. And for me, it was a transformation in just really engaging in a whole different worldview, the way that I grew up, what I thought to be normal, uh, what I believed history to be is totally different to them. It's not the two separate worlds. And it's very sad because the Zuni elder Clifford Mahuti told me he's about the last one who knows the stories because they're orally passed down. And so it was interesting too training with David Lombear, who is actually a, a martial artist and can do some pretty incredible things. You know, he could build anything. He was trained with, he always had these very fascinating weapons, which he was really good at. Um, I trained with the Shaolin monks. So one of them is like this monkey fist that's about 20 feet out, and he could handle that the same way a Shaolin master could. And so part of his training and a lot of his teachings were very physical. Whenever we would do the martial art called Shokai, we'd always have to be out in the rain. And so he kind of integrated all these teachings. And if you look at, you know, they used to have the Boy Scouts and things like that. As a human, we're supposed to be connected with the earth. And I feel like this is why we have such a strong disconnection with what's going on. As a human, all you really need to know to survive is how to eat, find food that you can forage and hunt, right? And then you can sustain yourself and you get some shelter. Almost Very few people know how to do that now. So we feel pretty afraid of our environment, right? Of food shortage, of, of all these potential threats because we we forgot the basic knowledge. And so training with the elders, they had these ancient knowledge, but they also had very grounded knowledge. It's very simple. It was very present and very practical. I think very often about and reflecting on my time as being a Boy Scout, which is a very weird experience because I was a Boy Scout in the hood, right? So we would like, even though I was like a Boy Scout, it would still be in like this weird urban environment. And when we would get out into nature, dude, nothing was more terrifying to me than that. Like I, I literally remember being like eight, nine, 10 years old, going on camping trips, learning how to hunt, learning how to fish, learning how to tie knots, learning all of these things as a Boy Scout and being so scared of nature until I got comfortable with it. And I, I think that there is something to be said about the fact that now even you and I having this conversation, oh, you know, on the internet, on Zoom, on, you know, wherever we're having it puts us in this weird juxtaposition where now we've also kind of removed the human element of connection 
And I, I believe, and I hope that we get back to that soon, but I, I think that one of the things that's going to start to happen, and I'd love to know your thoughts on this, is that this is going to further, mm, I hate to say this, but I don't have a better way to do it, that it's going to further inhibit people from living their purpose because there's something about being in this environment, this, this digital environment that I think in the same way I was terrified of nature is going to make people terrified of living their life. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I feel like the city structures in themselves, they're not really conducive for natural living. If you if you get out into nature and you get out under the stars, you really have a stronger connection with everything. They'll they'll talk about even healing and forest bathing and things like that. And, you know, just common sense from where we came from. Um, there's a book called Jesus and the Essenes, and it says there's four ways to know God. And let me see if I can remember them. One is uh, a teacher. One of them is meditation. One of them is meditation. I forget what the third one, uh, but one of them is it was was to sit out in nature. Uh, the book said just immerse yourself in nature over and over again to just live in nature, to understand the flows of how everything works, how your reality works, get really connected. And you'll you'll see in this world, it's it's a simulation. You know, so many people go to a nine to five job for 40 hours a week and they don't want to show up there. Well, if you're showing up somewhere you don't want to be for most of your life, then you're a slave. And this is something that I thought about when I was younger. I realized only when all my friends were going to university and they weren't really thinking about what they wanted to do with their lives. They're just trying to you know, get an education so they could get a job and family. I really kicked in that I thought a little bit different. And I thought 40 hours a week, two days off, uh, 40 hours a week, two days off and two weeks of holidays a year. I was like, that sounds messed up. That doesn't sound like a good scenario. There must be another option to live. And at that time, it was a mind-blowing thought. I was like, I know there's got to be something. I don't know what it is, but I can't sign up for that. That seems insane to me. There has to be another way. And so I feel like with, with all these distractions, they're getting better and better. They're really just, uh, if you look at the movie WALL-E, I feel like that is a great example because you know these, these people in the spaceship, they're getting rolled around, they got the soft drinks. And if you look at our food and you start to understand some of the psychological influences we're under, some of the social influences and some of the food influences we're in, you realize that we're kind of being sedated. And this is often what the elders would talk to me about as well, saying, you know, you live in a sedated culture. You're getting just slower and slower and more comfortable and more comfortable, but that's actually causing you harm in the same way you might uh, you know, freeze to death. You just kind of get your heart slows and it gets a little bit more comfortable. And then apparently that's how you end up passing away. It's kind of a dark thing, but I feel like that's what we really need to do is, is re-emerge ourselves into what is more natural because you know, screens and cement and all of those things, it's not really the natural way to live in my view anyways. Yeah, I, I totally relate to that. I think about some of the most profound healing experiences of my life while traveling and being in um, sound healing meditations while on an island in Thailand, looking up at the moon as it rained on me. And I was just like, whoa, this is the craziest. Like it was like a movie, man. Like it was such this crazy experience or, you know, doing, uh, you know, psychedelic plant medicine in Vietnam and like all these different things of like just really diving into to nature and self and being present in it and putting my feet in the water and then being now, you know, obviously trapped in this and feeling very much removed from the world. So I'm, I'm very excited to get back to it. But my, my fear is now, and to your point, this level of comfort becoming a just incredible hindrance against someone's potential. And I think about this idea, and, and I know that you talk about this, and I'm really curious to, for you to dive in here uh, about the quantum heart hypnosis experience. How do you how do you negate, or, or dare I say mitigate, this place of not reaching and not fulfilling your potential? What do you do? Yeah, it's a really great question. You know, for me, I always was wondering what my life purpose is. What is the meaning of life? These deep questions. Why am I here? Who am I? You know, who is God? What is enlightenment? All these things I've always been very curious about. And so as I began to live my life and you do all the research that I did, I would meet people from around the world on my travels and I'd ask them how they are and what they do for work. And most people describe themselves for what they do as a, as an occupation, as a job. And, you know, when I started going to festivals like Burning Man and things like that, it's a very interesting environment because it just shatters reality. You know, it just, there's no, after a couple sentences, it's not like going down to the pub with your buddies, you know, or at the beach in a random conversation, the whole environment is so 
intense, you, you really end up having a deep conversation pretty quick. Uh, and you ask people about their life and they, they call it the default world. They say, how's your, how's your default world? Right. And, and often, you know, 90% of the time they'd say, you know, life is okay. Or, or I make good money, but I'm not really happy and all these different things. And I'd always be wondering like, why don't you do what you want to do? And I'd ask them like, what do you want to do? And we just have a really real conversation and a heart to heart. And I was, I'm always been curious why people don't do what they're meant to do. Why don't you do what you're passionate about? And the reason I discovered was uh, when I was trying to help a friend and he was, he's so analytical. And uh, I knew if I asked him, I'd say, I'd, I'd ask at Burning Man when I travel, well, what if you had a million dollars a day for the rest of your life? What would you do with your time? Uh, what would you do if you had a year to live? Just questions like this. And I knew he was so analytical, he was not going to be able to give me a good answer. So I said, okay, um, we're just going to do a guided meditation because I've studied you know, hypnosis, meditation, guided visualization, lucid dreaming, everything you could sit, shake a stick at, I've kind of dove in, uh, dove into, and it's not very complicated, right? It's just really focusing attention and people aren't very good at relaxing their mind. So you're just helping them do that. And so I just relaxed his mind and then I put his attention on his heart and I asked him the same questions that I ask people all the time through my coaching, through my training, you know, through my travels that are very basic. It's not mysterious or complicated. And through the process, he started crying. Um, and after we were chatting, this is a guy that doesn't have a, you know, he's not your typical emotional kind of guy. He's an auditory, digital, very practical. And he said, you know, that's the, the most powerful thing I've ever gone through. And he gave me really beautiful answers. And so immediately when I had that response, I thought to myself, huh, I don't know of anything else there like this because I try it all. I try, you know, whatever, you know, past life regressions. I, I try it. If you've got a technique, I'm going to go through it and I'm going to see how it works for me. And so after I kept doing these experiences for other people and testing them, the first 10 people, eight of them cried and one apparently popped out of his body. And one of them actually pissed himself from, from a healing, they told me. And I was like, that is some wild stuff. And I'm not doing anything special. I'm just doing a, a, a powerful guided meditation. But here's the distinction. Even when you do hypnosis and neuro-linguistic programming, mindset work, and all these different things, our number one um, – function of our conscious mind is to keep us safe. So when I ask you, what's your life purpose? What would you do if you had infinite money, right? Who are you really? What, what would you do if you could do anything? The conscious mind is answering the question and the conscious mind is there to keep you alive. So when I ask you the question, the conscious mind says, oh, you're not going to trick me, Matt. You're not going to kill me. And you say, well, how is it going to kill me? Well, the conscious mind knows that to survive, you need to eat. And for you to eat, you need money. And so if your dream and who you truly are and what you, who you came here to be, if that doesn't align with your conscious mind, understanding how you can make an income, it's going to distort the answer. And for most people it'll distort it by 50, 60, 80%. So they're, they're not even close to what they want to do, or they don't have that. Uh, they know what it is, but they, it's too far away. They can't connect to it. But here's the thing in your heart, your heart knows you're infinite and eternal. And it's just a different lens that you look through. That's it. And so I'll give you an example. So when I was uh, training pro athletes, I worked with Olympians, pro athletes, uh, nitro circus guys, all this different kind of thing. And if somebody told me, hey, Matt, I, I really can't feel what that trick feels like. They want to go to the Olympics. They got to land something crazy, right? All the tricks now are, are totally insane. And so I say, okay, who's one of your favorite athletes? And they would tell me, and okay, just close your eyes imagine you're that person now visualize it. Can you do it? And they would always say yes. So there's, it's like this hack to a perspective that is more empowering and also more true. So when your heart, when you're asked that same series of questions, you know, you're not going to just die. You know, you're more capable than your mind is giving you credit for. And you know, you're linked up into this universal system that wants you to live your life purpose. That wants you to be successful. That wants you to be uniquely you. Because in my view and my belief is that there's a creator created everyone in its image, whatever you think that is, or at least at the very least, you have the divine spark in you, your conscience. What is your conscience? What is that little voice that speaks to you? What is this thing that when I look out into nature and connect with everything, it seems to, to see that everything is working mostly harmonious other than the humans, it seems. And so how do I connect to that force? Well, in meditation, I felt it, but also in your heart, when you're answered these, these simple questions. And the thing is, I've done this with well over a hundred people now, thousands of people have downloaded it. They always say the same thing. It's actually not complicated, but you need to come to your own conclusions. So everybody will talk about a quality relationship. Everybody will talk about 
getting into nature, being be more grounded in nature, clean food, good community, and then something that's uniquely theirs, whatever that is, something that they're passionate about. And they know what it is. And the thing is, it just takes time to get there. So it's actually a cutting out of an enormous amount of programming and nonsense that keep us into this perpetual debt system of not feeling enough, needing to acquire some sort of material thing to get that inner feeling that we've had all along. We'll be right back, but I wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about the Think Unbroken six-week trauma healing coaching program. If you go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com, you can sign up for the six-week daily Think Unbroken Trauma Healing Coaching Program. In this program, we're going to go over the six principles of healing trauma, adaptation, understanding the impacts of trauma, how to become the hero of your own story, what to do next, and ultimately what it means to be unbroken. For more information about this six-week coaching program, which you can download as an app on your phone and take with you everywhere, no matter where you are in the world, it's interactive. It's built about giving you practical tools that you can use in real time. And if you're ready for what's next in your life, go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Again, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, I'm so fascinated by this. And I think so frequently about the idea that nothing you will ever buy will make you love yourself. And that's something I teach my clients when I work with them, when they might be struggling with money or, or things like that. I go, the, the truth is there's nothing. There's not a single dollar amount you will ever spend in your life that will make you love yourself, that will make you care about yourself more. Can you invest in yourself and make your life better? Absolutely, 100%. I mean, that's why I have coaches. I'm sure you have coaches. That's why we coach, because it makes life better. But there's also this thing, and, and I want to dive into this a little bit more. From a subconscious, from a conscious standpoint, I'm in total agreement with you. Our, our brains and our bodies have one purpose, survival. Well, I guess technically to procreation, right? So survival, <laughs> procreation. Outside of that, we have to create and make meaning of so much of the data that we're given in the world. And, and a lot of the data, whether it is coming from books or from other people, podcasts, from television, from movies, from media, from news, it's so much so fast all the time that I think one of the things that happens is we, for lack of a better term, get in this place of analysis paralysis. And people say, I don't know how to meditate. I don't know how to, you know, even hypnotize myself. I don't know how to do these things because all I hear is noise. So I want you to break this down a little bit more. So we have something that's practical for people who are listening or watching right now in the consideration of the inundation of all the chaos of the world that we live in right now with all the information, all the data, all the everything. How do you get quiet enough with yourself to learn how to listen to yourself? That's a really great question. And, you know, I'll kind of do a sidebar on the answer. When I wrote Zen Athlete, um, you know, I'd, I'd done peak performance and mindset and work with all these top level athletes. And my thought was, well, I can kind of Trojan horse self mastery and educate children because if they know this as kids, if they know the power of all this stuff as children, they're going to be able to take that into their lives. And so when I was thinking about how I would educate, you know, a grade one class or a grade two class, I broke it down into this example and it said, okay, you're going to do a free throw. Well, the first thing before shooting the free throw is to take a few deep breaths and calm your mind. A person who knows how to calm and quiet their mind, it is a fundamental and monumental distinction in the quality of your consciousness and the quality of your life to be able to have that tiny little gap there. It is massive. And it's a massive difference in your free will and a massive difference in your freedom and how you navigate life. The second thing is teach them to visualize a shot going in. And what that does is says, Hey, you influence your reality. You're powerful. If you intend something, if you visualize something, you're going to increase the probability of your success. You have this force that's around you. Number three is you miss the shot. So if you miss the shot, what's the most powerful and positive perspective you can have? So it's not always going to be, life is not successful. It's a series of infinite failures, but how do you respond to those failures? And finally, the Zen aspect or the, you know, the mastery aspect is, uh, can you be whole and complete and so, full of self-love and harmonious 
in the process. And so one of the examples I give is like, you know, my daughter's two now, you know, is she good enough when she's two or is she good enough when she's four? Is she good enough when she's 10? You know, is she good enough when she goes into high school? Is she good enough when she gets into university or when she graduates? Is she good enough when she starts her first business or gets her first job or gets her first raise? And somewhere along these lines, this line, we're supposed to be adults, right? We're supposed to be, oh, well, now we've got it figured out and we're no longer children. But really, we are children. I've interviewed people who are 90 years old, um, had tons of life experiences, and we're eternal students. And you know, the wiser you get, you know, the less you actually know. You only know a little bit of a little bit. And so it's can you be uh, harmonious with wherever you are in the process? whether you're 12 or 25 or 46 or 54 or whatever the case is, because it's ongoing and it's never ending. We have this impulse to grow. And so as far as quieting the mind, there are so many ways to do it. There's infinite courses. Just do three deep breaths. That's one thing you can do. Just do three deep breaths. Just if you want to go out in nature, go for a walk somewhere quiet. Your mind is going to kind of go nuts, but that's okay too. You, there's so many breakthroughs in music and, uh, you know, binaural beats and all these different tools you can use. Sit down, get on some Salveggio sound bowls, right? You can find them, you know, Tibetan gongs. I remember actually being in Nepal and I got to sit in. I wasn't, I didn't know if I was allowed to sit in because they were doing ohms. So they said, sit in and so they have these gongs and these i don't know maybe a hundred or two hundred of them they were doing these ohms and the reverberation of the sound was so intense it felt like from the center like your solar plexus you know how you kind of got that winded or that if you go over a whoop like you have that that scared feeling that kind of goes up it felt like my body was dematerializing and then materializing not in like a falling, but like in a light way, like I felt like I was vibrating into nothing and then coming back in. I was like, Oh my goodness, what is going on? This is amazing. And so you could just do something like that. So we don't need to overcomplicate it. It's not about going into some mystical land, although it does happen if you practice quite a bit, just use something nice and simple that you resonate with and uh, do it as a practice, but you need to learn how to quiet the mind and have this little space before you respond. And that's what separates us from animals. Animals are just instinctual. But for us, we have this gap of choice, right? Somebody says, hey, you're a bearded fool. I hate you. You know, I could be like, well, F you, you know, whatever, and throw a stick at him. Or I can just wait a second, have a breath, and then choose my response in that scenario. I love that. And I, I think that I teach this to people all the time. Pause and breathe. You have to pause and breathe before you want to act. You don't want to react. You don't want to be reactive, right? Um, one of the things that came to mind, as you said that, I, I remember you talked about these potential outer body, out of body experiences. Um, I was in Ubud, Indonesia, and I was in a sound bowl meditation. And I had a very similar experience where suddenly my body and my soul seemed to remove each, remove each other from themselves and then come back together. And, and I know for some people, this sounds like woo-woo hippie bullshit, but I will tell you right <laughs> now, I am not woo-woo hippie. There's no sage in my house. I don't have any crystals. But the deeper I've gotten into my own consciousness, the deeper I've gotten into allowing myself to live within the space of this reality and tap into really the healing benefits of sound and momentum and vibration, the closer I've been able to connect with my body. So I would suggest anyone, if you have the opportunity to do something like a sound bowl healing meditation or a gong or an alm to go and do it because I was also so skeptical, dude, I can't tell you how fucking skeptical I was. And then the more I did it and the more I felt the impact of it, the more I was like, there is something to this. And in that I started to kind of feel like I was, and, and you might relate to this a lot. I felt like I was bridging this gap between like reality and then my performance and my life. And, you know, it felt like the deeper I got into consciousness with myself and my body, I was approaching what I would dare call flow state. And I know that such a big part of the nomenclature of high performance athletes and Olympians and people who are high performers in general is that, that terminology flow state. And I know that's a big part of, of what you talk about for those listening who really don't know, or maybe they've heard it in passing. Can you dive into this and let's talk about what flow state means, how you bring that into your life and, and how you navigate it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just comment on what you said, because I feel like it's important. You know, when you do these sound bowls or you hear about these mystical experiences, most people believe they only have one consciousness. And this is kind of their stress or default consciousness, which is mostly just based on fulfilling tasks. They have no space in there. And so whatever their sound bowl or whatever the case is, the idea is just to experience a different consciousness where you quiet that inner mind, you quiet that inner critic. So then what is the thing observing? And it's just experimenting with that space a little bit because it's a very different experience than you, you know, going about your day. And and so it's also important to realize it's, it, it can be a little bit of a mystical thing, but those just kind of happen few and far between. That's not the goal. The goal is the training. The goal is the recognition. As you now understand that there's this deeper part of you, how do you carry that higher self, you know, the honorable self, the, the virtuous self, the right decisions, quote unquote, you know, you know, being honorable as you move through life. That's really the challenge. Um, you know, I used to think enlightenment was floating around on a cloud and I would just be like, Jesus or Buddha or something. And it's not like that. It's just doing my best to do the right thing each and every moment of each and every day and to maintain my integrity and not, not compromise that. So yeah, uh, flow state. I love, I've always been curious about the limits of human potential. W what can I do? What, what are humans capable of? What am I capable of? And when flow state came out, it kind of annoyed me because everyone was like, Oh, well you do this technique and then you're in the flow state. And what I've come to believe is that flow state is a process and you can, you can use tools to enhance that. So I would teach some of my athletes that were Olympians or, or, you know, extreme sports athletes are different than every other athlete athlete because they have to manifest reality in, in that very moment and their body is on the line. So if I'm telling a, uh, NBA player how to shoot free throws, use visualization and these positive cues and all these different techniques, well, if he misses the free throw, he's not going to break both his legs simultaneously. Right. But in extreme sports, you might do that. And so I have this one, um, athlete Brody Carmichael, who is a freestyle motocross rider. And he reached out to me because he fell on a front flip on his motorcycle. And he said, Hey man, I heard you're good at what you do. Uh, I want to land a front flip, uh, front in a couple front flip variations. And so we went over some of the stuff he was doing and his mindset was pretty strong. And I said, you can read my book and it'll be helpful, but you don't have to, and you can do my course. It'll be helpful, but you don't have to, all you have to do is visualize this trick every single day for an hour. If you do that, there's going to come a point where you know you can land it. At that point, go ahead and go do the trick. So three weeks later, he lands the front flip in competition. Three weeks after that, he lands the world's first front flip heel clicker on a motorcycle. Three weeks after that, he lands the world's first front flip Superman on a motorcycle. And he wasn't even practicing it into a foam pit. He was going around schools, you know, doing inspirational speaking and stuff. And so that to me kind of sums up like one element of flow state, but there's all these other factors that play. So he had hours of visualization, right? So what I mapped it out for Zen athlete, which applies to everything, it could be Zen music, it can be Zen uh, entrepreneurship. And basically what I transitioned to was teaching this peak performance element to finding your life purpose, because it doesn't matter if you have peak performance, but you don't know what you want to build. You know, it's more important to know exactly what you want to build and have no idea how to build it than to be building something that's not meaningful to you, right? You know, so I was like, how can I teach people this peak performance mindset stuff to the most meaningful thing to their heart and soul without any distortion from the environment, without any fear, without any influence that is not them and to have them have the courage to actually follow through. And so, you know, I broke it down into ele elements that are quite simple. Dedication. It, it has to inspire you focus, uh, your quality of focus, your quality of work, meditation, being able to quiet the mind, visualization, being able to see the future that you want to do belief. Uh, what do you believe about it? So many people have so many limiting beliefs and they're so little. Once you analyze them and pluck them out, you know, working on limiting beliefs is not that challenging. We just aren't taught these tools and how to remove them and then install the most powerful beliefs that we can to succeed in whatever we want to see, succeed in. Then you have simulation and nutrition and uh, fitness, and that's taking care of your body, you know, understanding what you put in and you use this as a cycle, right? And the, and with each of these elements, if one is way off and you improve it as a whole cycle, 
then you really are moving towards peak performance and flow state. And that way, when you go to perform, right, if I'm going into a boxing match, it's not like I'm going into the ring and I've got flow state and I'm going to beat this guy up who used all these things. It's on the way to the ring, now using these refined tools for this moment in time, continuing to tell myself, okay, here we go. And it all becomes automatic. It becomes reactionary, but you train yourself into that level of mastery. It's not like it just happens, you know, but we also have the instinctual thing. I use the example, if a tiger comes in and tries to get you, we'll all be doing parkour because the body actually has an intelligence, right? The body will, we don't think about all the things we need to do to get away from the tiger. We'd be hanging with two fingers from the lamppost if it came up and be like, how the heck did it do that? So you're engaging with this infinite intelligence with it, which is within the body. And that's where the whole free will, spirit, soul thing comes in. You know, what is your soul and heart telling you to do? Who are you really? Are you compromising that? Are you telling yourself a story? Oh, because of this, because of that, because of money, because of my, what, what will I do? And you let all that go and you be who you truly are and you add these elements to it over maybe, maybe not even six months, maybe not a year, maybe not two years, but over five, 10, 15, 20 years, you'll leave a legacy. And when you leave this planet, you'll know that you did the thing that you wanted to do. You'll be proud. You'll be fulfilled. You'll, you'll know you honored your life and what you came here to do. That That's everything, right? I think about this every day. That's the most important thing. Like my number one fear in life is that I'm going to die with regret because I didn't push myself into the discomfort that I needed to push myself into to create massive change in my life. And so I always try this every, every single day. I'm like, how do I push myself harder? How do I try something so incredibly uncomfortable that makes my palms sweaty? Right. You know what I mean? And, and you touched on something that I really, that I'm going to go into a little bit deeper here that I want people to hear that in passing probably just skipped over them because they go, yeah, I hear this all the time. Visualization is such an incredibly important technique, partly because the brain doesn't know the difference between what you're forcing into it and reality. And when I think about some of the greatest things I've ever done in my life, where I've been on stages in front of 10,000 people, where I've won awards, where I've even done things that I didn't think my body was physically capable of doing, it started with me thinking about it. And just going through it and practicing it in my head, the moment, the smells, the feelings, the emotions, everything that came along with that moment. And I remember sometimes I'd be in these rooms and people would be like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to win this competition or I'm going to do that thing. But in my head, I was like, oh, well, I already won. That's impossible for you. I'm sorry. You'll get it next time. And then I would go up there and I would win. And that's not, that's not a callous thing. That's not a selfish thing. That's, that's nothing other than just instilling this unbelievable amount of self-belief through the visualization. Because I believe that there's something to this idea. I have deja vu all the time, Matt, because I'm like, what I do is I put myself in that situation. And when it comes to pass, honestly, I'm not surprised because I've done it so many times. Now, of course, there's hard work involved in that. There's practice involved in that. You can't visualize yourself into success singularly. There's a lot to it. But one of the things that I've often thought about in visualization is that it's very practical in helping you navigate fear and helping you move through and changing your mindset around what you're capable of doing. What are your thoughts on that when it comes not only necessarily just to the practice of visualization, because we talked about it, but how do you navigate fear? How do you step into changing your mindset about what you do believe that you're capable of doing? Those are all fantastic comments. And I totally agree. It reminded me of Mike Tyson and somebody asked him, you know, why don't you celebrate when you knock somebody out? And he says, because that's what's supposed to happen. And so visualization is an incredibly powerful, powerful tool and completely underutilized. It's used in martial arts. It's been used for thousands of years of, for high performance of various tactics. And it's something that most people don't engage in. And the reason why is because they can't see the immediate benefit. But when I work with an extreme sports athlete, somebody like Brody Carmichael or somebody who if they perform the task and they fail, they get seriously harmed. They are very eager to explore anything that will increase the probability of their success. And when they start doing it, they realize how amazing it is. Now, one of the people that I coached was a, a girl named Sophie 
Chernetsky, and I'm trying not to butcher her name. Hopefully it's pretty close, but she would have, if the Olympics uh, were in Sochi, you know, she would have basically won this year. She was only about 13 at the time. And when we started working together, she was using it and she said, it's kind of like magic, right? And I was like, yeah, it's exactly what it's like. And so the first thing is, is you need to get clear on who you are and what you want to do. When I was younger, I would, I would focus a lot on my snowboarding skills and martial arts skills and, and traveling in my journals. I would write down, I want to travel to these countries. I want to train with these people. All of my journals for everything I wrote down um, has happened basically more or less some stuff, um, you know, hasn't exactly happened, but a lot of it has. And so then you take those goals and you write them into affirmations. Or you can say, I love the idea of, or I'm traveling the world, or this is who I'm becoming. And we begin to create who we want to be over time. We get to choose that each and every day who we create. Um, and then you know, for people, this is really challenging. It's so easy. Once you have those affirmations of what you want to do, right, you can write out goals that are physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relationship, whatever, whatever the case is, but you want to get down to what's most important. So one of the examples is when I um, left college and started traveling the world, I wanted to snowboard every single day uh, for myself. And so I could have said, well, I'm going to work this job and I'm going to make enough money. Then I'll go to Whistler. But what I did is I went to Whistler. I became a snowboard instructor. The first year I kind of coached people that were, you know, okay. And then the second year I started to coach basically mostly snowboard park, which I wanted to snowboard. And then the third year I had an online business. I was coaching mostly privately and I was snowboarding every day for myself. So it was this progression in time, but the affirmations and how I would visualize that would, would be a, a constant part of my practice. And so so it's such an underutilized thing just to set some goals, know who you are, write some informations, and then just do a guided visualization for yourself. And you could use some music. You can do a, a, I help people with these meditations. Very simple, you know, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Just relax your mind. You know, there's lots of ways to calm your mind and calm your body. But, you know, going into fear is, is such a, an important thing. Fear is the biggest blocker of all dreams. And the first thing to do is, again, figure out where you want to go, then start to analyze all those beliefs. And so many people I worked with, uh, they say, oh, you know, I couldn't do that. And it has to do with the perception of other people. And it's weird because one of these uh, people I was working with was a writer, very talented writer, wouldn't put anything out there. And I was like, well, if you can get to the point where everybody you know tells you that you suck at writing and they give you a handwritten letter and you still write, now you're on point because it has nothing to do with the result. It has to do with you honoring who you are. And you're the only one who's going to be able to dishonor that for whatever reason you want to make up because you're afraid of what my, what people might say and most likely it's not going to happen. So the first thing about fears is to write them all down. What are they? Are they as bad as you think? Then say, okay, is there a way that I can educate myself? Can I improve this thing? So if you have the knowledge, right? All knowledge or all fear comes from lack of knowledge, right? Just when I was thinking about, you know, some of the nonsense that's going on in Canada, you know, they're destroying the food lines and the farms and stuff. I go, Oh my goodness, what if there's a food shortage? Then I think, okay, well, how do I make sure I have food? And then I just like, well, if I knew how to hunt and I knew how to do these things, I would be no longer afraid. And so I, when I started to educate myself, I felt more empowered. It's just like martial arts and knowing those things, being able to defend myself. I don't want to fight ever. I'll run really fast in the opposite direction. Um, but if I have to, I'm going to feel more confident, not, not comfortable, but the fear is much less as I go around these different environments, including traveling the world where I've had a gun held to my head, where I've had uh, talked down a man with a machete who was going to kill another man. And the body just went into action through the training to solve those situations through simply words. No physical action had to happen, but it was the training that allowed that um, to, to, you know, unfold. And so really just with fear, writing it down, uh, seeing it, right? Cause it's way more frightening behind you face it. What will be the worst case scenario? And then what? And that's why when I work with people following their dreams, I go, okay, what if you follow your dreams and you fail, right? Then what, what if you're a homeless on the side of the street, are you going to get a job? Are you going to figure it out? They're like, yeah, like, great. So it's not that scary. You would figure it out. You get to that next step. And the other example I like to give is like, okay, just imagine, um, you know, you live, you have five years of your life, right. And you had everything you ever wanted. Right. But, all, but, but all of a sudden you go blind right now that you're blind, you can give all up that, that fame and that fortune and everything. Right. But you can get your sight back. Are you going to give your sight back to go back to square one and just work at McDonald's? Or are you going to stay rich? And everybody goes, I want my sight back. I want my legs back. 
right? If I say, now you've lost both legs, you can't walk. You want your legs back or you want your fame and riches? Always they want those back because we're, we're, we're so blessed just to be alive and to experience and to grow. But what happens is we get pacified through various means. And so it does take some inner will, some inner tenacity, some inner knowing, some going against these, these fears and these influences so we can create who we were meant to be. And that's up to us. And we know who that is in the inside. We just have to, you know, keep searching for it and, and, and moving towards it, moving towards that feeling. Yeah. Very powerful, Matt. And I, I am in total agreement with you. It's beautifully well said. One of the things I always think about in this is this commit first, figure out the rest later, because once you do that fear, starts to go to the wayside. My friend, amazing conversation. Before I ask you my last question, can you tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah, they can go to mattbelair.com and also linktree forward slash mattbelair. You're going to get all my stuff over there and they've got, you know, there's some meditations and even the quantum heart hypnosis if people want to uh, experience that and anything that I've ever created, if they want that, um, you know, they're welcome to have it. Hopefully it will help them, you know, live a more empowering life. Beautiful, my friend. And my last question for you is, what does it mean to you to be unbroken? Just to not give up. That's it. <laughs> Just don't give up. Persevere. Get up over. Life is failure. And, uh, you know, in skateboarding and extreme sports, you know, especially skateboarding, it's only failure, right? So just keep getting up, keep trying, and, and you'll get there. And, and even if you don't, you know, the, the process in itself is beautiful and worth and worth it. Amazing, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, review, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Unbroken Nation, hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode. I want to know what you think. Please do me a favor and review, rate, and share the episode with three friends on social media today. It would mean the world if you did, because ultimately at the end of the day, creating community and connection is how we heal generational trauma in the world. And I need your help to do that Unbroken Nation. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, please like, comment, share, review. I want to know not only what you like about the show, but how I can make the show better, how I can make this further about helping you on your healing journey. So do me a favor. And when you do shoot me a screenshot of you making the review to my DM at Michael Unbroken on Instagram so that I can have a conversation with you, say hi, and more importantly, so I can share it with the Unbroken Nation. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.